This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your day as much as I am currently enjoying, because there's a lot of news that was happening this last couple of days. And I've been kind of busy with life, as you know, but you know, we try your best to record when we can on this podcast in general. So today we're going to be talking about how Amazon is to acquire iRote Maker of Roomba Vacuums, which is a very interesting situation in the making for Amazon as someone who used to work at Target. And I'll explain in further detail later about that. Berkshire Hathaway reported earnings on Q2 on Saturday, and those earnings are quite interesting to be able to talk about to see how Warren Buffett's thinking of things in the market currently right now. Netflix is jumping into the video game push, but sees very few subscribers playing along with what's happening in there. And then we got some news with Elon and Twitter, which is going to make things very interesting to be able to talk about in this podcast today. With that being said, guys, I always say at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only and for entertainment for those who wish to be able to listen at this time. Please, before making any financial decisions, you need to go talk to your own financial advisor as they can make a better decision on your financial future. And I legally cannot give you any financial advice in any way, shape or form. Like I just said a little bit a second ago, this is for uh, information purposes only. I cannot legally give you financial advice. If there are stocks that I am talking about later on, I'll make sure to mention the positions if I have any which today I don't believe I will have any at this time. But with that being said, guys, let's begin with today's podcast. Amazon to acquire maker of Rumba vacuums for roughly $1.7 billion. Okay. Amazon is acquiring iRobot for $61 a share in an all-cash deal that values the Rumba maker at $1.7 billion, the company's announced Friday. The deal would deepen Amazon's presence in consumer robotics. Amazon made a bold bet on the space last year when it unveiled its Astro Home Robot, a $1,449.99 device that is equipped with the company's Alexa digital assistant that can follow consumers around their homes. It also offers an array of smart home devices like connected doorbells after its 2018 acquisition of Ring, as well as the voice activated thermometers and microwaves. Over many years, the iRobot team has proven its ability to reinvest how people clean with products that are incredibly particular and inventive from cleaning when and where customers want while avoiding common obstacles in the home as automatically emptying the collection bin said dave limp amazon hardware device chief in the in the statement consumers love irobot products and i expect to work with irobot team to invent in ways that make consumers live easier and more enjoyable the acquisition may, may marks Amazon's fourth largest deal behind its $13.7 billion purchase of grocery chain Whole Foods in 2017, a $8.45 billion purchase of film studios MGM last year, and its $3.9 billion acquisition of Bontiki pharmacy care provider One Medical announced last month. iRobot, founded in 1990 by Massachusetts Institute of Technology Rob- Roboticists, is best known for making the Roomba, a robotic vacuum launched in 2002 that can clean consumers' floors automatically Oh, correction, autonomously. It has also introduced robotic mops and pool cleaners. iRobot has a subscription program that offers automatic equipment replenishment, among other services. 
And it says here, Amazon is buying iRobot at a time when the robot maker is facing broad headwinds. The company reported second earning quarter results on Friday that showed a 30% decline in revenue from a year earlier, primarily due to the unanticipated order reductions, delays, and cancellations from retailers in North America and Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. And then it goes into more details about the revenue. It says your revenue for the second quarter came in about $255.4 million, well short of $303 million expected by analysis survey by Refinitiv. Its losses widened to $0.35 cents per share adjusted. Analysis surveyed by Refinitiv have expected a loss of $1.55 per share. iRobot said it will cut about 140 employees or 10% of its workforce as it raises rising inflation and falling revenue. And then with the deal coming through, it looks like it says iRobot CEO Colin Engel will continue to run the company once the deal closes. Okay, so what I find interesting about this deal that's coming through is the fact that obviously Amazon's buying it. And I, and I have to wonder how much more Amazon can dip its fingers in before people start shouting from the rooftops that Amazon needs to be stopped. But for the time being, it is it is in another sector now in the, uh, the pie that it keeps going into. But what I'm curious about is, will iRobots now be sold like at Target stores? Okay, I had mentioned this. In the past, I worked for a Target. And I remember when I worked at the Target, I used to see the iRobots all the time. I don't know how much of the revenue came from the iRobots at Target, but I do remember seeing them. I'm curious now to know if Amazon's going to allow iRobot to still be sold at Target stores or if it's just going to end up being sold online on its retail platform. Or maybe Whole Foods is going to end up becoming, being able to sell these robots as well. It's also interesting to be able to see that Amazon is trying to get in every aspect of your life at home. Like literally, they're, they're, they're getting into the home, okay? With the ring door acquisition that they didn't talk about in the article, obviously amazon.com. And of course their own robot that they had made. And now this vacuum cleaner for iRobot. I often wonder what's gonna happen with Amazon going forward in the future. I mean, I don't know how they can use the iRobot, but it's gonna be interesting to see how they're gonna try to probably use it in some way, shape or form to be able to, I guess in a way, figure out how people's cleaning patterns are and then they can advertise their cleaning products to people on Amazon for those who are ordering it. That'd be a little creepy to think about, but you never know. I mean, it says here in the article too, iRobot became a COVID pandemic darling in 2020 and 2021 as consumers spend more time at home and brought up robot vacuums to keep their homes clean. Its business has suffered from supply chain constraint in recent quarters. iRobot said it has now a glut of inventory amid lower than expected orders from retailers. So maybe they'll just end up just focusing, having it be online instead of in the Target stores in particular. But it's still interesting to see that Amazon is continuing to expand its presence and what it owns. Maybe one day when we look back, we'll see how much Amazon owns and people will start to realize Amazon's a big company. It's gonna be interesting to see. Continuing on with Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway reports operating earnings surge, but posts big investment loss amid market rout. Berkshire Hathaway operating profits jumped in the second quarter despite fears of slowing growth. But Warren Buffett conglomerate was not immune to the overall market turmoil. The the conglomerate operating earnings, which encompass profits made from the myriad of businesses owned by the con- conglomerate, like insurance, railroads, and utilities, totaled $9.283 billion in the second quarter of 2022. Berkshire reported Saturday morning and marked a 38.8% increase from the same quarter a year ago. However, the company posted a $53 billion loss in investment during the quarter. 
The legendary investor again asked investors not to focus on the quarterly fluctuations in its equity investment. Quote, the amount of investment gains and losses in any given quarter is usually meaningless and delivers figures for net earnings per share that can be extremely misleading to investors who have little or no knowledge of accounting rules, Berkshire said in a statement. Stocks tumbled in the bear market during the second quarter after aggressive, aggressive rate hikes from the Federal Reserve to tame soaring inflation sparked fears of a recession. The S&P 500 posted more of 16% quarter loss, its biggest one quarter fall since March of 2020. For the first half of the year, the broader market index dropped 20.6%. It's for its largest first half decline since 1970. The conglomerate stock A class fell more than 22% in the second quarter, and it's now down nearly 20% from all-time high reached on March 28th. Still, Berkshire stock has outperformed the S&P 500, signifying down 2.5% versus the equity benchmark 30% loss year to date. Berkshire said it spent approximately $1 billion in share repurchases during the second quarter, during the six-month routed to $4.2 billion. However, that's a slower repurchase pace than it has seen in the first quarter, when the company bought back $3.2 billion of its own stock. The conglomerate showed a massive cash hoard of $105.4 billion at the end of June, though the giant has been more active in deal-making and picking stocks. The Oracle of Omaha has been steadily adding to its Occidental Petroleum stake since March, giving Berkshire a 19.4% Occidental stake worth more than $10.9 billion. Occidental has been the best-performing stock in S&P 500 this year, more than doubling in price on the back of surging oil prices. In late March, the company said it agreed to buy insurer, I think it's Allegan, I can't remember how to say that, for $11.6 billion, marking Buffett's biggest deal since 2016. Okay, we know that Berkshire Hathaway technically owns Geico, okay? And I believe Warren Buffett has like, I think a 10% stake in Chevron. Little disclosure, I do have a small stake in Chevron. And I just realized too, I forgot to mention that I do have a small stake in Target as well that I had mentioned earlier when I was talking about Target with Amazon iRobot, but that's beside the point now. And obviously they're long positions. I have to mention that as well. But Chevron, I believe oil companies are most of Warren Buffett's portfolio, at least I mean, 19 point, he owns 19.4% of Occidental Petroleum now. That's crazy to think, okay? That means Warren Buffett firmly believes that oil prices are going to continue climbing. And usually the, usually the Oracle of Omaha is pretty right on this stuff. But then again, if you had been paying attention to the oil market since 2020 when COVID had first started, you would have known that this is something that was going to end up happening, that as oil prices were dropping, at least the stocks were, and people were in lockdown and people weren't traveling as much due to COVID, then oil prices would recover. It's still crazy to think, I mean, $105 billion of cash on hand. Seems like Warren's going to be making another purchase soon, potentially. Or maybe he's just holding on to cash because he just doesn't know how the markets are going to be holding up currently right now. Or maybe he's just getting ready to make another purchase. Because we've mentioned this in past videos that his railroad companies are actually the ones who are doing a lot of the shipping right now for the rails. Because at least at the time when we had reported in this past podcast that there was like a union strike in the making. But Warren Buffett, I expect next quarter be pretty decent in the end. I mean, oil's still climbing a bit. Oil stocks crushed earnings. I mean, we reported on Chevron Exxon recently and they both did really well. And obviously other oil companies are probably doing just as well as well, along with probably Occidental Petroleum as well. So maybe just a slow quarter for Berkshire. But it is something to keep an eye out since everyone is always looking at Warren Buffett as the investment guru on how things are looking. So keep an eye out for Berkshire, guys. See if he increases those uh, potential 
positions in Occidental Petroleum. Or maybe he's just getting into just buy out, buying the company out in the end. Who knows? But on to the next article. Netflix is expanding its push into video games, but few subscribers are playing along. Netflix is accelerating its push into video games with plans to double its catalog by offering by the end of the year, but for now, few of the streaming giant subscribers are playing. Since last November, the company has been rolling out games as a way to keep users engaged between shows releases. The games are accessible only to subscribers, but have to be downloaded as separate apps. The games have been downloaded of a total of 23.3 million times on an average 1.7 million daily users, according to Apptopia, the app analytics an analytics company that that's less than 1% of Netflix, 221 million subscribers. The importance of games to Netflix overall strategy has arguably increased in recent months as the company faces intensifying com- competition for users attention in the second quarter. Netflix lost a nearly a million subscribers after losing 200,000 subscribers during the first quarter. Its first subscriber declined in more than a decade. In a letter to shareholders last year, Netflix named Epic games and TikTok as among its biggest rivals for people's time. One of many advantages to Netflix is pursuing the strategy in its ability to drive engagement beyond when the show first comes out on the platform, Prosky Partners analysis Tom Froti said. Still, Netflix chief operating officer Greg Peters said last year the company was many months and really, frankly, years into learning how games can keep customers on the service. Quote, we're expecting the experimental and try a bunch of things, Peters said during the company's fourth quarter earnings conference call. But I would say the eyes that have on the long-term prize really center around our ability to create properties that are connected to the universe and the characters, the stories that we're building. The company's current catalog of 24 game apps covers a variety of genres and Netflix shows such as Stranger Things 1984, several are modeled after the popular card games such as Mahjong Solitaire and Exploding Kittens. The catalog, which grow to 50 games by the end of the year, including Queen's Gambit Chess based on Netflix series, according to a company representative. Maybe that's what Netflix should consider doing. You know, the metaverse is becoming a thing, but maybe they need to create their own metaverse in a way. No, no, in all seriousness, think about this, okay? Stranger Things is kind of like the big thing for Netflix right now, okay? I mean, I can't even turn on the radio right now without hearing, I can't can't remember what song it is that's considered quote popular right now, but it has to do with Stranger Things with some of the kid on the show. You can tell I just love watching tv so much i just understand what's going on with stranger things that's sarcasm if you don't know what that is but stranger things is considered popular maybe they should make a metaverse on an, or maybe a game with stranger things and you should be able to use the what is it those google glasses or those those virtual headsets that they're making to be able to play the games on the netflix app i think that would get a lot of people into the game or just in general to play the game if you were to make a Stranger Things game. Or maybe that's not the answer. Maybe just Netflix is continue to lose subscribers. Or maybe another option would be maybe Netflix should get a content creator on YouTube to be their representative for their games and platforms. Like a big name that people follow. Since people love streaming these days. I mean, there's people making millions of well not i want to say millions maybe it is millions but there are some streamers who make a lot of money just streaming their games and giving their input netflix might have a few options but i mean what which one are they going to use at the end of the day i mean they probably should do the metaverse for stranger things because i can almost guarantee people are going to want to go into the metaverse to go find find whatever was fascinating about that tv show whatever creatures they're looking for i guess so 
Last thing we'll read is Netflix has been caggy about how it plans to make video gaming a core part of its company strategy rather than merely a side hobby. Quote, we're still in, in, intentionally keeping things a bit quiet because we're still learning and experimenting and trying to figure out what things are going to actually resonate with our members, what games want to play. Yeah, I'm telling you, if they made a Stranger Things game, people would be on that quick. Gotta hop onto your on your trends that are happening, Netflix. Whatever's popular is going to keep you alive for as long as possible. Even doing a squid game thing, I believe, would keep you alive a little bit longer. Just things to think about. Last thing we're going to be talking about Twitter today. And there's two articles we'll be talking about with this. Twitter Musk drama escalates as both side, sides hurl claims of bad behavior and new filings. Now, granted, this first report was on Friday, but we're still going to cover it because there was another report that was given on Saturday. Okay. So as the Twitter-Elon saga continues this week as the two parties traded barbs and legal filings ahead of the five-day trial that's scheduled on October 17th. New, newly released documents from lawyers representing Musk in a countersuit against Twitter claim the social media company engaged in a scheme of mislead, to mislead investors by providing false numbers and financial filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Musk charges Twitter platform has at least doubled the number of bots the company claims in SEC filing and fewer monetized daily active users than claimed. Twitter responded that the billionaire CEO of Tesla and SpaceX is making incorrect assumptions and looking for an excuse to back out of its $44 billion agreement in April to buy the social network. Both sides are building their case to in the run-up of the Delaware court date set to resolve the dispute over whether Musk has to follow through with the deal. The drama began in early April when Musk disclosed a significant stake in Twitter. After first agreeing to join Twitter board, he reversed course and instead offered to buy the company or sell his holdings. Twitter was initially opposed to the deal and sought another route, but eventually came an agreement to sell Musk for around $54.20 per share. But then the market tanking and Twitter's share price going down, Musk started badmouthing Twitter in public in a clear effort to get out of the deal. Here's a rundown of the latest developments based on the new and previous confidential things from both parties. Numbers, far from true. In a legal filing, Musk accused Twitter of including statements in its SEC disclosure that were far from true. Through its corporate law firm, Skaden Arps, I think that's how you say it. No, Skaden, Skaden Arps, must sit in a social media company. It's miscounting the numbers of false and spam accounts in its platform to give a rosy picture to investors. Musk has complained about scams, spam, and bots for Twitter for years. In a press release announcing the agreement to buy Twitter, Musk wrote that defeating the spam bots was one of his goals and motivations for taking over the company. Okay. And it says Twitter respond with a separate filing in Delaware court this week that Musk and his team have spent months trying to invent a spam disclosure problem and have found nothing. And obviously there's also the ill-defined metrics because apparently his Musk's attorney also said that the countersuit that Twitter monetized daily active users or MDAUs are not closely tied to revenue as Twitter leads its public to believe. And then reliance on filings, stonewalling, double the bots. Okay. We can't read all this stuff right now because we have other things to talk about, but Elon might be right, okay? And the reason why I think Elon might be right is Elon's a pretty smart guy at the end of the day. And I guess also this too gives me an idea that Elon's going to win this suit because he's pretty much thrown the ball back into the CEO of Pereg's court. And he says, Elon Musk challenges Twitter CEO Pereg to debate on bots. I think he has, I think, correction, Pareg Agrawal, okay, the CEO of Twitter. 
It says here, central billionaire Elon Musk provoked a Twitter and challenged the company's CEO, Pareg Agrawal, to a public debate about fake accounts and the spam in the midst of the continuous legal battle over the $44 billion acquisition. Musk filed a bid for the Securities and Exchange to acquire Twitter back in April this year. Okay, we don't need to read that. It says here, the series of tweets that Musk began posted just before 1 a.m. on Saturday, August 8th, Musk interacted with a fan who had summarized his acquisition about Twitter, including that it was stonewalling him and giving him outdated data and a fake data. When he asked the company for details about how its tabulates, MDAUs, and estimates for spam and bot accounts, the Tesla and SpaceX CEO wrote, good summary on the problem. If Twitter simply provides their methods of sampling 100 accounts and how they're confirmed to be real, the deal should proceed on original terms. However, if it turns out that the out that their SEC filings are materially false, then it should not. By just before 9 a.m. Saturday morning, Musk started a Twitter poll asking his followers to vote on whether less than 5% of Twitter daily users are fake spam. Respondents for the informal poll could choose one of Musk-provided answers with either yes, following three robot emojis, or LMAOO, no. Musk wrote on Saturday morning, I hereby challenge... Parag, to a public debate about the Twitter bot percentage. Let him prove to the public that Twitter has a less than 5% fake or spam daily users. A source close to the company says a debate is not going to happen outside of a pending trial. Attorney for Musk did not respond to requests to comment on Saturday, and an attorney for Twitter declined to comment on Musk Saturday's tweets. Twitter's attorney have argued in court's filing that Musk gave the company just 24 hours to accept his offer before he was presented it directly to Twitter shareholders and waived due to diligence, including a chance to seek more information on false or spam accounts. They wrote in the court filing, Musk repeated mischaracterizes on the merger agreement cannot change its plain words. At the annual shareholder meeting for Tesla on August 4th, Musk was asked to speak about Twitter during a question answer session and followed a proxy vote. He said, drawing laughter from the audience, I obviously have to be a little bit careful what I say about Twitter because there's a lawsuit and stuff. He can, he confirmed that only two publicly traded securities he owns are Tesla and Twitter. Here's why I think Elon's going to win in the end. Okay. Twitter is not providing the information. And I guess in a court, they're going to have to provide as much information as possible. Now, granted, maybe the judge will just back Twitter at the end of the day. But I still believe that Twitter was pretty much trying to get the deal to go through with Elon. And like I've always said in the past, if I'm wrong, I'm willing to admit I was wrong. And But this is one I just, I don't see how Twitter's going to win. They're going to have to provide a lot of information in this trial. The information can either be destroying for Elon or destroying for Twitter. But I still believe Twitter for the longest time was just trying to find a way to make money. And when Elon offered to buy the company, it was a way, it was a way for Twitter to make money and run because I think Twitter was failing before this. Just my opinion though, okay? Because we've I've, I've read about this in past articles and I've heard about this in past either podcasts or just news information that Twitter was denying just making money. I believe it was last election too. And it was John, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. Like they weren't going to do political ads. This trial is going to be very interesting. It's, virtu- it's virtually Elon Musk versus Twitter. And who's right in the end? It's hard to say. But like I said, I firmly believe Elon is going to be the one who's going to be the one winning in the end. Because he wants the information. And in a court, you have to provide the information. You have to provide almost every tiny detail in a court. Now, what information they give, I guess, is another story. But 
we'll pay attention when this comes because the this drama of Elon and Twitter just keeps happening. But I still think at the end of the day, Elon is going to end up getting Twitter. How much though is just another question at the end of the day. So with that being said, got, uh, podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast as much as I've enjoyed making it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription that we get can help grow this podcast so that we can be able to keep talking about what's happening in the markets. I also have to say too, thank you for my current listeners who have at this time spread the word about our podcast to friends or family. And like I've always said in each podcast, if you think friends or family would enjoy it, please send it to them as the more information we can get out there about the market, the more we can know what's going on out there. And the more likely we will be able to make smart decisions with our own money. But like I always said, this is not financial advice in any way, shape or form. I'm just a guy who's on a podcast who's just sharing information, what he's seeing and is expressing his opinion. With that being said, guy, uh, podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.